Kurt Enkin, better known as Chemo, is a U.S.-born, Michigan-based artist who has worked for himself since 2007. Prior to going full-time as an artist, Chemo spent about eight years developing and designing websites in the quote-unquote corporate world. This early career choice set him up nicely to be more in control of his brand and business. In this episode, we discuss many things, including managing relationships, both with other artists, as well as galleries and collectors, as well as talk shop about managing costs of goods sold and balancing time between painting and fulfilling online orders. Let's get started. I'll say this, your art is badass. I like, you know, I'm not really an artist or I'm not an artist. Uh, I would like to be an entrepreneur and let that be my art, but yeah. um, I it really enjoy looking at paintings as, as like a, I want to be a collector someday and your stuff just like caught my eye right off the bat you're one of the first people I've reached out to actually um I don't know from my perspective it looks I like that there's a lot of curves but there's also a lot of like sharp edges and geometry kind of in it uh the colors and the scheme kind of look almost like African with the, just the bold colors and uh or at least kind of reminds me of that so just different combinations of styles it really I was reading through your website and I would say if I saw your paint, by and large, if I was just walking around and I saw a painting, I could tell whether or not it was your, like you definitely have a distinct style in your painting, which is pretty awesome from a marketing perspective on top of just being an artist. So, but anyways, uh, yeah. So I just want to say thank you for joining the podcast. Uh, if you can start off with just a quick introduction on who you are and we'll just go from there. Yeah. Well, thanks for the uh, wonderful compliments. That's uh, really nice. Um, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate the invitation. Uh, my name is Kurt Ankin, and I paint under the pseudonym of Chemo. It's a name that I picked up a long time ago when I was a younger graphic artist, and it and it just kind of stuck. And I've been painting under that name ever since. Um, I'm a self-employed uh, artist from Grand Rapids, Michigan, and um, that's what I do day in and day out. And I work primarily on the internet and rely primarily. Um, you know, on, on virtual connections like this, like through video, through email, through uh, social networking and all of that. Um, just making art and trying to do it every day. That's uh, that's me. That's awesome. When did you first pick up the paintbrush or were you drawing before that? Kind of when would you say you started to get into art? Um, you know, I actually I've always loved to create art. You know, like even when I was young, I would I would draw, you know, football players and cartoons and cars and things like that. And then when I was about 15 or so, uh, I, re I remember it. I, I was at my parents. I was obviously living at my parents. I'm sitting on the floor and I had some oil pastels and I was just working away with these oil pastels. And uh, I kind of woke up like 30 minutes later and came out of like this creative haze. And I realized at that point, almost instantly, that one, you know, that that making art can be something completely different than what I thought up until that point. But two, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And kind of from that point, when I was about 15, uh, you know, there's kind of no looking back. I just always it's always something that I in, enjoy doing and I've enjoyed doing. I, I love the, the creative process and what you kind of have to go through in your mind to get through through a painting or, or, you know, a piece, making a piece of art. Um, so, you know, I've generally always had that interest. Um, you know, that's kind of on the creation of art side of it. 
Um, you know, what kind of got me into art as a business, I think, was just that general desire to be able to, you know, live a creative life and, um, you know, make not just make art that I felt was genuine to me, but also just kind of live a, a genuine creative life and, um, you know, be able to, to meet other creative people like yourself, um, you know, uh, from all over the world. And um, just to, to have a life that hopefully when I get to the end of this life, I look back and I, I felt like um, I had, had laid out a path that was genuine uh, to, to myself. That's awesome. When did you start? trying to make money or choose to I mean at the age of 15 I don't know necessarily how cognizant you are of like oh yeah I'm gonna get really make a living paper mortgage all that. at what point were you like no this is truly what I'm gonna do um and and I, I'm gonna you know I've already sold a couple of paintings maybe passively or kind of how did that transition from I enjoy it to oh I'm earning money um you know I, that's a good question and I, I would, I really, I, hmm. I started really selling it or making a point to have my art be a business in 2007, okay. but it actually kind of started before that. So if I step back to, you know, the early nineties, um, you know, I was, I was young, I was, I was making art all the time. And, and at that point was, you know, that was well before social media was a thing, you know, you still had to like schlep your, portfolio around to galleries and then the gallery had to decide if you were good enough to hang on the wall and and you know so in the early 90s I did that I, I brought my work around to all of the galleries and and I was rejected all over and and that was all fine and looking back I'm, I'm glad I didn't deserve to <laughs> my work was not really uh, quality to be hanging up somewhere but at the time I thought it was pretty important so do you still have some um, of pieces but, uh I may, I maybe have a couple later okay. Yeah. But, you know, so after that, I kind of got, I just kind of gave up on trying to sell art and I just focused on making art. But during that same time, I also was learning about how to build a website. So I built my first website in 1999 and oh, wow. I learned about graphic design and, and all of those other things that are just general creative interests. Right. You know, I wanted to build a website because it's kind of a cool creative thing. Absolutely. And, you know, and so, um, you know, and then at that time, too, you know, there was, um, you know, uh, you know, I, what was it, MySpace at the time and, you know, that those types of things. Right. And, and um, but, around, but then about 2007, you know, I, I really had a good handle on building websites and doing business kind of online. And I could. And so I'm like, you know, why am I um, why do I not put the energy into promoting my own self and my own art with the skills that I have instead of having to rely on on a gallery somewhere, you know, to to provide a living for myself. And um, at that point, that was when I said, all right, I'm going to I'm going to make a real effort here to to make this work. And so 2007 and I've just been slowly kind of growing and learning over the years and um, to the to, to where I am now. So you have a really fluid compared to all no, no slide against the other artists out there but your website is really well put together like i mean it was very responsive to you that's one thing even if it looks good with some other websites it might be a little slow to upload and i mean if it takes over five seconds usually people just leave but your, yours was um it was it was really well put together and 
Yeah, I was impressed. And it, and it just naturally looks so good with your art, with the type of style that you have and just a clean white background. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, it just stood out pretty, pretty strong. So that makes sense. Have you ever used that skill set to uh, like as a freelancer to code for other artists or just in general for businesses? Um, you know, prior to 2007, I did do a lot of freelance uh, work that was web design, graphic design, and that stuff, you know, that type of stuff. It wasn't generally for other other artists as much uh, because I didn't really network with as many artists at that point. Uh, um, you know, uh, it was more for businesses and things like that. And and so that's where I thought, gosh, if I'm doing this for other businesses, I should actually just do it for myself. Yeah. Right. Have you continued to do that? Um, no, I have not. No. I then once I started focusing on on my own uh, work and kind of promoting my own and building my own business, um, I just have kept the focus on that. I, I was not able to do both well, <laughs> you know, so I figured well, I'll focus on myself and, and try to just do that well. So you mentioned, you know, you had to go around to the different exhibit or different uh, galleries rather and, um, you know, show your portfolio back in the 90s. Um, what has your relationship been with galleries since that point? And do you still use or rely on them in any way? Um, yeah. So uh, the galleries, I've had good relationships with all of the galleries that I've worked with. But, you know, in 2007, again, when I decided I was, was going to head out on my own, I, I kind of made this rule for myself that I was not going to seek out galleries anymore. I wasn't going to go and and try to appeal to them and show them my my work. Um, I was only going to work with them. And, and it, I mean, it, it sounds I was only I was really I was going to if they approached me. Right. And then I'd start a discussion and all of that. But I just didn't have the the time to be able to kind of do that kind of legwork and then also build uh, and, and focus on on the things that I needed to, to get my business off the ground. And, um, you know, so I didn't really purposefully reach out to galleries, but um, as I kind of became a little bit more known, uh, galleries started reaching out to me. Um, I had made a relationship um, in, in, in Grand Rapids here uh, with uh, a guy named Richard App. He ran the Richard App Gallery, which um, is, is no longer uh, a gallery here in Grand Rapids. Um, but he, he was a big in the art scene here and, um, through a long story, we ended up connecting and he was really the first gallery that I got back to work with. And, um, what was, what was difficult, or I guess what's interesting is that at that time, so this would have been like 2011, maybe, um, you know, a lot of artists, a lot of galleries want you to be, um, you know, uh, exclusive with them, or you can't sell your work online and all of that. And Rich was one of those gallery owners that really, I think, understood that um, that both of us can can increase interest in in art. You know, he on his on his end, and, and me on my end, and and we could have a successful uh, pair. So, mm -hmm. um, and then from there, I, I did work with other galleries. Um, you know, um, I. Work in I had work in in Paris and um, London, uh, Texas. I mean, there's just just some different galleries around the U.S. Um, the last gallery that I was in was was in Chicago. Um, and what's happened recently with galleries is that I just can't keep up with the inventory to supply galleries anymore. So um, right now, I, I really don't have any work showing at a gallery. Um, I actually pulled some of my work out of some of the other galleries 
and, and brought them back here so I could just kind of sell them directly. Um, you know, COVID was quite hard on the gallery business. You know, no one was right. getting out and seeing shows and all of that. So, um, but I'm always open to working with galleries. Um, I think it's a great opportunity to meet face-to-face uh, right. with other art lovers and, and, and uh, you know, there's usually wine, so it's, it's fun. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've noticed that with a lot of artists, once they kind of get established and they have, really it comes down to a core group of collectors that are going to be, Kind of with them for a while and they you know they have those lead channels basically that at that point they don't really need to use the galleries so much and they kind of wane off of it especially if they have a really online good online presence like you do is is that kind of um has that ever competed before covid and before you kind of stepped away from the galleries to that did your online sales ever compete with like, did you ever sell something in a gallery and ultimately bring in less? And you thought, man, I could have sold that online, waited an extra month and probably brought in 20% more income. Um, you know, there, I guess there is a conflict if you want one to be there. And if you're working with a good gallery and you both understand that there's some give and take, um, then both then both the gallery and the artist can, can, can be, it can be beneficial to both the gallery and the artist. Um, you know, I, one of the other decisions that I, that I kind of have given myself is that I'm not going to get caught up in kind of the dollar and cents crap that goes along with, um, with selling art and, and making art. I think as an artist, it's, it can, it just, it can, it influences the creation of the art in my mind. Like if I, if I'm in this state where I'm constantly worrying, you know, am I going to get 10% here or 5% there, or, you know, who's getting what, um, at the end of the day, if, if I'm able to work with the gallery and the gallery is able to be successful and I'm able to be successful and, and the person buying the art loves what they got and they love looking at it every day. I think it's kind of a win, win, win for everyone. And I just try to come at it with that perspective. Um, I, I probably, you know, there's probably business minded people who are listening or saying, oh my gosh, that's, you know, that's like, you know, that's the first thing we learn not to do in business or whatever, but um, that's just kind of how I look at it. Yeah. Fair. I mean, obviously it seems to be working. Yeah. I mean, it does. Yeah. It, it has worked and, and all of that. I think, you know, one of, one of the things that, um, you know, that I, I think with, with selling art, whether you're a gallery or whether you're a, a self-employed artist like myself is it all, you know, it, it comes down to relationships and you, and you mentioned, you know, those people that you kind of get these long-term collectors, um, you know, galleries have those. And I think, you know, you know, there, there's people who only buy from certain galleries, right? So they keep going back and, and, and they're buying from them. Um, and because I, I think ultimately it just comes down to the relationships and, um, you know, I, the people have a relationship, you know, a buyer has a relationship with a gallery or a buyer or a person has a relationship with me if they're dealing with me directly. And um, that's actually probably the thing that I enjoy most about what I do is, is those relationships is getting to, to meet interesting people and creative people. Um, and we're all kind of centered around this, this place of creativity and, and art. And, um, you know, and it's, it's not a lot of, it's not a lot of other stuff in there, you know, um, you know, for example, like yesterday, 
Um, I, I'm working on a custom portrait, and yes, and so when I do a custom portrait, I'll get on like a video call like this with the with the people that I'm doing the portrait of, and we have a conversation kind of like this, and and I get to know them, and like this this couple that I'm going to be working on, I mean, like they're this awesome couple down in New Orleans and or New Orleans, and and um, you know, like both the you know the guy and myself are huge Twin Peaks fans, and you know, like so we like realize we have all this stuff in common, and and uh, just fun creative people, you know, that are just good to have in your life. And, and so it's like, gosh, to be able to wake up and, and have the, the opportunities to, to create with people like that. It's just, it's wonderful. Yeah. Real quick. What's Twin Peaks? Uh, so Twin Peaks was a TV show that was, uh, came out in the early nineties, I think. And uh, it was, it's done, it was created by a guy named David Lynch. Uh, oh, David, okay. I've heard of David Lynch. David Lynch is uh famous director he's kind of racer head and and uh Mahal and drive and all that but anyway i'm a bit of a fanboy of his so uh so anyway yeah it's he, he makes some music right i recommend it to anyone who's not seen it i recommend it so all right check it out uh, so there's a song that i have like on my spotify from david lynch and i'm pretty sure and it's a really cool like blues song and i'm pretty mm-hmm. sure it's from david lynch the director i'm pretty down and i think he even wrote a book on meditating yeah, pretty, yeah, pretty interesting character. I think it's yeah. like like water. I read like half of it at the Barnes and Noble when I was younger. But um, so with the collectors, so for the for the this couple, for example, they you met them online through your website or kind of yeah. Yeah, okay. so they, you know, they had discovered or, you know, they, they had found me, I think, on Instagram or, or something like that. Um, they had shared, I had actually done a, uh, a custom portrait for one of their friends. Okay. Um, and uh, now I'm doing a portrait of, of them. Yeah, so they had found me online and we just made the connection, you know, through Instagram, kind of like you and I. And that's that, awesome. That was it. Yeah. yeah. So what is your follow up process with, you know, let's say this couple, for example, or, you know, someone that reaches out online, you guys connect, you know, y'all hit it off really well. Personally, you, you know, make the painting, deliver it, then what? That's an area that I, I need. I wish I had more hours in the, in the day to be better about that. And, um, you know, after I, I will say, I think I do a fairly decent job of staying in touch with people um, just through general social networking, you know, right. just through Instagram, through Facebook. Um, you know, I do uh, mailings once a week or so, um, but I don't you know, I, I know that I probably should have like a process where I'm maybe, you know, reaching out to people a month later or three months later and, and all of that. Um, but I'm, I'm fairly visible online. And since most of my connections are online, um, I find that I just, uh, the relationships that I get created just continue year after year, almost kind of organically on their own through social networking and, and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, cool how that can be leveraged. Like you don't necessarily need to be reaching out to the customer every day, but if they just can see like your stories and see some of your personality, they feel like they're still connecting with you. And everybody assumes anyways, like you're a working professional, you got other people. So not like they're going to become best friends, but I always, yeah, I find it a fun question to ask artists is kind of what the follow-up process is, which is kind of leading me to think or question, have you thought about hiring an assistant or someone to help with those business operations? Do you feel like it's pretty solid where it's at? Um, 
Uh, you know, that, that's a good question. I actually had just had this conversation. Uh, well, I guess it's a bit of an ongoing conversation that my wife and I have, um, you know, and, and I am at the point where I think, okay, if I want to grow and, I, and I've been at this point for a little while where it's like, well, if I want to grow and I want to, you know, make more sales or, or paint more or, or whatever, you know, I really need to have somebody maybe just handle the shipping part of it right? You know, or that kind of stuff. But then I, I step back and, and what, what I do is I, I guess I constantly ask, what is, what is my ultimate goal here? You know, is, is my goal to be, you know, some superstar artist and, you know, jet set, fancy Porsche, all that stuff that that isn't what my goal is. And, um, so, you know, a, along with growth comes giving up a lot of the things that I kind of really enjoy about what I do every day. And, um, and so I, I know I haven't, I'm not doing a good job answering your question, but, um, I guess when I look at what my goal is and my goal is to really be able to wake up every day and, and make art and have a generally stress-free life, right? And um, I find that every time I start to, to bring up this idea of hiring people, bringing it on, it just all of a sudden multiplies everything and it starts to take away from what the core goal is, right? And um, I, I don't have a desire to grow into an empire or something like that or, or whatever. If it happens, it happens. And if it happens organically, that would be... Stress-free, right? Yeah. yeah. One quote I really like is that how you live each day is how you live your life. It's pretty... It's like if you take the summation of your average emotions every day and you add that together, that's your experience. And if you can be cognizant of that, design a lifestyle that meets your needs and gives you, you know, what you want as well. Um, yeah, why why screw something or why change something that's not broken? Fix it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, when I used to work in the in the corporate world, I was as a designer and and you know it was extremely stressful. And, and I, I found that that just had a great impact on my family. And, you know, you'd be at work all day and you'd come home stressed out and, and, and that goes with you and permeates the rest of your life and all of your relationships and everything. And, you know, when I decided to leave the corporate world, it was because of really that it was just like, what, what do you want out of life? What is, what do you really want out of life? And when you put your head down on the pillow, you know, right are you happy about it? You know? And, uh, so yeah, I guess it's kind of a long-winded tangent, uh, answer to your question, but. You know, I'm asking where'd you work as a designer? Um, I worked at a, I worked at a publishing company. Um, I'm not going to, I don't want to mention their name or anything like that, but I, I worked at a, a, a small local publishing company okay. um, as a, as a web designer and I uh, worked in marketing and uh, design and all of that. Yeah. Right. Okay. So it wasn't just freelancing with the coding? No, no. So I do that on the side. Um, you know, I, I did a lot of that on the side uh, years ago. And then, yeah. Um, so I see online that you said rule number one, make mistakes. And I find that um, <laughs> great because that's, I mean, it's a pretty simple uh pillar to kind of act on is make, make mistakes, make them often, make them quickly. Um, so I'm just curious if you could dive into that in relation to kind of how you've grown your business and what mistakes you've made and kind of how you've grown from there. Well, I've made a ton of mistakes. That's for sure. Um, you know, um, 
I, for me, when I, when I have that, I have that on a board in my studio um, because it's just a reminder that um, it's okay. And if you get, if you get stuck in this rut of having something, if you're worried about something being right before you even do it, then you never even know if you do it wrong. <laughs> and a lot of times when you're doing, when you do something wrong, quote unquote, you know, air quotes, when you do something wrong, what comes out of it is something wondrous that you never expected to happen. And so embracing those mistakes is maybe not being a, a good or bad thing, but it's just part of your process. And, um, and that, and for me, that applies to everything. Um, you know, whether it's business or whether it's a painting, you know, if you drop uh, painting, if you drop paint into a spot you didn't want, well, run with it, just let it go and let that inform your painting. And with business though, too, it, it's, you know, uh, you don't want to be held back by your fear of something maybe not going right, or maybe you don't know something. And, and, and maybe that's actually it is that a lot of fear comes out of um, maybe not knowing how something works. So you maybe are fearful of how it's going to unfold. And so, um, you know, what I do is I generally try to learn everything I can about every part of the process. And the more that I learn, the less fear I find that I have, uh, especially fear of, of making some kind of mistake. And, you know, I guess at the end of the day, I think, all right, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not a brain surgeon. So if I make a mistake, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an artist who makes and sell art. And, and, and so what's the worst that's going to happen? You know, right. I, I, I watch, you know, lightning's going to strike or something now, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, you know, but um, so, yeah, I just try not to be held back by that, that fear of, of making a mistake. How often do mistakes, like, I guess with your art, something happens unexpectedly. Like, have you ever, has it ever changed how you approach something altogether? Or is it kind of just whimsical learning experience or most of the time does it lead to nothing? Um, well, I think I, I, uh, I make mistakes every single day. I am out in the studio multiple times. Um, but I think there's different levels. I think there's sometimes where you make them and it's like an, it's like an epiphany goes off. Like, oh my gosh, I never realized that I could have that outcome, <laughs> you know, right. or, um, and then there's other, maybe just little things, you know, um, I think really it's just coming down to embracing them and, and not thinking about, you know, in, 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 you know, a mistake is something that's unplanned, right? And so it, it are, how, what's your comfort level with dealing with something that's unplanned? And once you realize that if you don't worry about it, then your unplanned stuff becomes planned. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, kind of play. flip reversal. It becomes part of your process, whether it's... Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, so, you know, it's just a different way of looking at it. Um, I think if you maybe just take the positives and negatives out and, and balance them out into that's just how things are, uh, it makes it a lot easier to get through business. It makes it a lot easier mm -hmm. to get through your work. In, in uh, relation to your, like, maybe accounting, finance, management of, of uh, materials, like painting, you know, oils and whatnot, um, what type of mistakes have you kind of, have you learned about? ways to maximize your output on those levels? Um, yeah, that's a, that's a good question too. As um, I would say that the mistakes that I made from a, a business, uh, I've made a, a ton of them, like I said, um, I'll try to, I guess, think of a few. 
One, I think, is um, doing business online is um, creating all different types and shapes and sizes of things that don't ship well. Like that's a very practical thing, <laughs> you know. Um, I you know, whereas now I generally work in a, in a few different sizes. I'm smart. You know, um, so that I can keep in stock the same few size boxes, um, the packaging materials. I know what the shipping costs are, and so by kind of keeping a system of sizes and materials, then all of those always remain constant. And they're not variables that come in later to mess things up, you know, because there's nothing worse than you do, you know, you might do a painting and then you go to ship it. And it's like, oh, I don't have a box that size, you know, right. so, you know, you got to run over to U-Haul or whatever and grab one and, or, or whatever. So, um, you know, just little things like that. Um, you know, I, some of the other, mis- I think one of the things that I would, did a lot of when, when I was younger is I would kind of think that I would chase down every single opportunity and not really ask myself, does this go back on my goal, uh, you know, and compare an opportunity to what my actual goal was, you know, so I might maybe spent time and I see artists do this quite a bit where they, they want to put their art on everything just because they can. I mean, as an art, as artists, we're image based and you can put an image on anything. So, right. you know, you get, you know, you worry about things like t-shirts or uh, coffee mugs or, you know, things like that um, instead of, but they're just in a way they can be distractions. Right. Uh, Because from a sheer business point, if you want that to be profitable, you've got to sell tons of t-shirts. You got to sell tons of, you know, coffee mugs and all of that to even make it worth your time. And so, you know, I think there's, we're in this the, the internet and, and, and websites like Redbubble or something, they say, Hey, you can make it real easy to get your, your, your image on products. Right. Well, you know, that's fine. And, and you'll sell some more than right. likely, but it, it won't lead you to financial independence. Um, right. So, um, you know, just trying to always, when an opportunity comes up, do you have the time and energy and does it, does it actually help to what your bottom line goal is as an artist? Yeah. So I see that you sell quite a few prints. What have you learned in that process? Because it seems like it just from the outside looks like it's a pretty big part of your overall business, kind of keeping things consistent. Yeah, I think um, I think prints prints are essential. I think to to every artist um, that that wants to be self sufficient as an artist. I think having prints, being able to do them uh, yourself, is 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 helpful um, alongside with originals. Um, what, one of the things that I try to keep in mind is that not everyone can afford a, um, you know, a thousand dollar painting or a $2,000 painting or, or whatever. Um, but that doesn't mean that they shouldn't be able to have, you know, a, a piece of artwork that they enjoy in their house. And, um, you know, and two, working on the, working on the internet, like I do, um, you know, we're, you're a essentially strangers to people until they have some confidence in in you. And so what happens um, often is is people might discover uh, my artwork online, uh, they like it, and and maybe they just buy, you know, a $30 print. And and that's great. And I get to, you know, exchange emails, we can have a, a, um, you know, and I'll get that, try to get that out right away in the email or in the mail shipped out to them. And so a lot of those people then 
I think, get a little bit of confidence and say, okay, this person that I'm buying this print from isn't some fly by night person, you know, they can actually see that I'm, I'm, you know, trying to do um, good quality work and present them with a quality product and, and uh, they can, they can handle it. They can see how it's shipped. Um, and then, you know, they might come back and purchase another print or at that point they might say, okay, I have the confidence to spend $200 or $500 or, or that. So where prints are helpful is just a way to have different offerings for different people who are at different price points or just maybe at different spots in their, in their, um, in their art collecting. <laughs> right. You know? That's a good point. I was going to ask if you've ever considered rentals, maybe you're kind of past, past, you know, maybe that's a better option for people who are starting off. But what I've seen is there's a lot of artists who have plenty of art that is worthy of hanging up on walls, but they have it stacked in their studio kind of like books on a bookshelf. And I always thought, I wonder if there's some type of way that you can get kind of like a local, you know, where the artist delivers the art to someone, they rent it for you know three, three months or whatever, have some type of deposit in case things happen. And then you can keep, you know, getting passive income on the same painting while you're also kind of accomplishing the goal of marketing yourself to people who might not be uh, able to afford their art right now, but in five years or so, and in the meantime, especially with everybody working at home, I'd imagine. So I don't know if you've ever thought of that. Um, you know, I really haven't. But I mean, I, I mean, I think it's a really interesting idea. It's a great kind of be in between for the artist and the buyer. Um, you know, I think that's a real interesting opportunity there. Um, I, you know, I mean, there obviously might be some hurdles depending on the distance between the person who's renting and, and yeah. where they are is located uh you know i could see that being like really maybe good as a as a local kind of regional thing you know yeah um you know i wouldn't want to ship one over to london or something unless they pay for it i mean Uh, yeah yeah absolutely but um yeah it's i think that is a real interesting idea Um, if you've got some stock and you've got some inventory around and yeah that's interesting have you um on the note of finding like you know in business, it's good if you can open up the availability of your products to many people. And obviously price is a big issue with that. So, you know, like you said, trying to get the price points that can get all of your customers satisfied. Um, have you ever done financing for any of your art? Um, I do. I offer uh, payment plans on, on all of my original works. So um, anyone that's interested in a piece of art of mine, um, they can, and, and they, let's say, don't have the money to pay for it right up front, but they want to reserve it so they don't lose it. Um, you know, they can make a deposit and, and I'd be happy to work out a, a, an arrangement with them. Um, that actually happens quite a bit more than you might expect. And, and, and I would suggest that every artist who's looking to, to sell their work to be able to offer that as an option. Um, Because a lot of times what will happen is people will be interested in a piece of your artwork, but by the time they might save up the money, it's gone. Right. You know, or, um, you know, uh, yeah, and it's gone. And so even just a small reserve and, and then you just, you can hold it. And, you know, there's so many, you know, there's just with the internet and, and all of the different softwares and technologies that are out there, there's everything that's at the, at an artist's disposal to be able to, to do these types of things. Right. Would you ever take a uh, cryptocurrency for your art? I, I actually do, do that. NFTs, yeah, I, so I don't, do you yeah. do it for your originals as well? 
I do. Yeah. I oh, have. That's awesome. Yeah. I'll, you know, right now I'm accepting um, uh, ETH and Bitcoin and uh, Cardano. So I'm, I'm very, sorry, sorry. keep that one in there. Cardano yeah, is yeah. good. Yeah, it's a little bit um, more eco-friendly than like what Bitcoin's churning out and stuff. But um, yeah, that's something that's been fairly new for me, um, the area of selling NFTs, but also just cryptocurrencies in general um, is kind of a new thing for, for myself. But yeah, absolutely. I, I've sold now three or four paintings where people have uh, bought an original painting and then paid for it, um, you know, and, and uh, you that's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. super cool. Um, so I have a question about your pricing. So yeah. how do you go about determining pricing and when do you kind of increase? Like what, what metrics do you look at? Um, you know, it's funny when I listen to interviews with artists or the other artists, this is like the one question that comes up and everybody has somewhat different answers. Um, I, I look at things, I think, a little bit differently. And I think it's because I'm looking at my what I'm actually trying to do a little bit differently. And um, so let, let, me, let me just back up a little bit and I'll tell you how I arrived kind of where I did it, right? So when I started selling art in, in 2007, I, I was selling it on eBay. I was making these little, you know, two and a half inch by three and a half inch paintings, they, I would sell them for like $5, $10 or something, right? Just to try to get used to making and selling art and getting mm -hmm. shipped down and, and all of that and just try to, to work through things. Um, I always struggled with the idea that just because I made something, it's important, right? Like, I, I think there's a, a, a lot of, you know, it's real easy to fall into this thing that gosh, I made this, I really like it. So therefore it's really valuable and everyone else should like it. And that's just not like, it was, it, it's just not really how I operate. And so what I did is, is as I started pricing things pretty low because I just wanted to get through and learn about selling and, and all of that. But I also wanted at the same time to, you know, not just kind of arbitrarily pull a number out right. and say, you know, my painting's worth $50,000. Right. You know, you're, you're honestly, your painting is, I've always looked at it kind of like your art's only worth what people will pay for it. Right. right. So, so my goal over all of these years has been to start small and increase the value of it over time. You know, I've been doing this 30 years and, and, and I feel like the art that I'm making now, uh, I'm just kind of hitting a stride now. And I feel like it actually uh, is something that's quite a bit different than the art I created 20 years ago. And um, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm kind of not answering your question. Great, but I'll get to it. <laughs> so, um, because, you know, I, I do want to increase the value of my art, but I want it to be based on some type of reality right. and, and based on a reality of supply and demand, I guess. And, you know, um, instead of just saying it's arbitrarily worth $5,000. And so there you go. Um, I would, I like, you know, to kind of have it grow as the demand grows because it, you know, what that does, not just for me as an artist, maybe to make a little bit more income, to have to have a little bit more of a comfortable life. It also increases the value for everyone who's bought a piece of my artwork. And so, you know, as demand increases, and my time becomes less and less in the studio, which it does, 
I have to increase the price to right. be able to offset the less time that I'm able to actually create something. Um, but the, the upside of that is somebody who purchased a painting of mine five years ago, that painting now has kind of a real supply and demand value right. that is 200% what it was five yeah. years ago, kind of like the crypto market, you know, right. or, or any kind of stock market or something. You, you invest in something and and it grows hopefully over time and I, you know underlying i think just my general ideas about business in general um is kind of that in that you know there's many different art worlds that are out there right mm-hmm. i mean there's a blue chip art world that you know i'll never see you know i can't sit around and wait for jerry salts to you know say my art has value or some famous gallery to say that i have value right. um it's Really, uh, just you know, I can. Each of us artists can go out and, and create their own kind of network, <laughs> if you will. And and so, um, I, I hope that the value and price of my art is true and and of of some you know real value and not just some abstract number that I I decide it's worth. You know. Yeah. Looking at your I website, thought I thought that the numbers were very reasonable. Yeah, like I was like, oh, this seems like he's definitely got some type of system down. And the fact that your price is just readily available too says a lot about kind of who you are as an artist as well. Sometimes they don't really show that, but I thought it was very, yeah, reasonable. I mean, it's I think it, I was expecting a higher price and I wouldn't have been surprised if it was there. But um yeah, I think it's interesting this idea of being able to take it to the bank. You know, if you wanna you wanna if if a bank can look at your numbers and say, yeah, that seems like you're accurate because you have a, lo- a long enough history going back and we can see all these transactions, we can project further in the future and the better that, you know, you'll be valued as an artist. That's one reason why I think the rental model is pretty great because as you rent it out, that's a lot more smaller transactions. And then that can give you a lot more metrics to kind of analyze, to determine what the original price should be. But um, the most valuable thing is time. So how do yeah. you how do you d- divide up your time between painting and then actually marketing and shipping it out and all that? Um, well, you know, as I, I find that the more that I grow, the less time I get to spend in the studio. And um, so right now, I'm probably only spending about twenty five to thirty percent of my week in the studio, um, actually making art. Yeah, you know, or, or being creative on some kind of level. The rest of it is, um, you know, shipping and packaging and, and website updates. And more than anything is probably communication with people. Um, there's just so many messages coming through so many emails and comments and, and I'm, and I always try to respond to everyone that I can. I try to acknowledge um, everyone that is, is showing me any kind of love and support, I, I want to return that to them because I'm I'm humbled by the fact that that they're interested in what I what I'm doing, and so a lot of time is spent in communication um, uh, with that, and it it is a juggling uh, thing. Um, when I first started doing this, I would try to block out. You know, here there's a certain time I'm going to do it, be in the studio, certain time I'm going to do this, certain time I'm going to do that, and what I what I've now do is I go into the studio when I'm feeling that I really want to make something. And then I rearrange all the other stuff, the business stuff kind of around that so that I feel like I'm optimizing the energies in the, in the studio at the, at the time. 
Um, so it seems overwhelming to think about getting constant messages because everybody, I mean, I personally want to try to get off my phone as much as possible, like most people. And the less I can use it, the better. I just, I hate text messages. I hate messaging. <laughs> I'm always late to it. And just to think that like, you know, as you become more professional and especially as an entrepreneur, um, you know, as you as an artist, cause that's a, a lot of your sales coming through, or at least starting off through Instagram, uh, pretty important. So it seems like a lot of your time spent communicating with your customers, which is super valuable, mm-hmm. uh, creating that bond, but then also shipping that that'd be pretty, pretty nice. If you could find a very comfortable hire, someone that could just help with shipping and maybe give them access to some of your messaging and for be like, all right, if it's like, Hey, I like your work. Just be like, great. Thank you. Whatever. And then if it's someone that's reaching out, you know, the hell, you know, some, some way to organize that so you can get back into the CDO or, or just not have to work as much overall, but that'd be, that'd be difficult though. Hiring people is way harder than I ever thought it would be. Yeah. It is difficult. I mean, it's a whole skill set in and of itself as to know where to go to find these people, how to write up a, you know, exactly what I need to need done, sifting through them, interviewing, hiring them, onboarding them, constantly finding things for them to do. It's like, yeah, this is a lot harder than I thought it would be. Yeah. And it takes a lot of time. And like you said, time is kind of the most important commodity Mm -hmm. that you have. And, um, you know, and if you're spending that commodity on doing something other, you know, like that, I know in the long run, it, it, works out right but it's just a short-term investment of giving up time to to invest into those other things there so you know i was thinking a bit about what you said about pricing and that my my pricing was um you know a a little lower than you had thought um i you know one of the comments that i get a lot and through my messages are you should charge more for it and um you know it's amazing how often i get that and um you know, I try to remind myself that I want to sell art, <laughs> you know, right. the, the art, like for me, the process, I really enjoy the creative process. And once I'm done with it, I'm kind of done with it. Right. So like, right. I want to just let's move on to the next one. And, and, That's all fair. and, um, and again, you know, I think the higher your prices go, the, the more people you leave out of, right. of your market. And, uh, I kind of like, I've always kind of, I, I know it's sappy, but I kind of like that idea that that it it is affordable for you know most people. Right. And if it's not if an original is not, then hopefully my prints or or something else might be. Yeah, I always thought whenever I'd go to an Astros, I'm from Houston, so go to like an Astros or Texans game growing up, just how expensive everything was. Obviously, I'm not paying for it, but you hear your parents complaining yeah. about you know ten dollar beer or whatever. And I've always thought like at a young age before I knew anything about anything at all, like fifth grade, you know, just like, why not lower the prices? You, I'm sure you would sell so much more if you just lowered the prices. Sure enough, the Atlantic, the Atlanta Falcons did that a few seasons ago. And, um, the rest of the NFL owners were like, what are y'all doing? I'm screwing up our, our, no, actually we're making way more money. Everybody shows up to the game. They have a way better time. And especially, you know, Atlanta doesn't have, you know, it's, it's a good city. I haven't, I've driven through it, but you know, some of their fans might be not able to afford super expensive tickets and super expensive food. And if you can create a more lively atmosphere by decreasing the price, you know, hopefully they would earn more money and they were ridiculously profitable. It kind of shows that, you know, volume kind of trumps 
having one-off high prices that people buy here and there. Um, yeah, I've always been a fan of volume. It's a wiser way to go about things than to have some egregious price. Like some of these NFTs are being sold at, which clearly is there's something shady going on. But yeah, <laughs> volume over uh, whatever else, whatever the opposite of that would be. Well, I think too, you know, it's understanding your market. You know, if you're an artist and you're trying to sell a $50,000 painting, but no one that knows you is that, you know, that that income bracket to afford it, you're never going to sell a piece of art. You're never going to sell anything. And so no matter what business you're in, I think it's just understanding who are your buyers and then having your products be priced in, in, in a way that's reasonable for them. Right. And, um, you know, so that's where I'm at right now. And that's where my prices are, because I think generally that's where I'm finding that people who enjoy my art are, are at. That's fair. So I've asked quite a few questions. There's a few left. Um, don't I'd rather ask you, what would you what do you want me to ask you? <laughs> like what, what do you what would you ask you if, you, if you're in my position? That, wow. um you know one of the and maybe this isn't a question but maybe this conversation as much as you know one of the things that i see a lot um like my my nephew right now is going to art school in chicago and and i and i and i i listen to you know what he's doing and what he's coming out with you know what he'll come out of school with or as i get to know more artists and and one of the things that i really see is people are coming out of art school um or, you know, they're, they're thinking they can go into the businesses themselves for artists, but they have no real idea about the business side of it. And that's you know, one, of the, one of the reasons why I wanted to do this with you is that you're kind of talking about that, the business side of it. And, you know, as a young artist, it's easy to um, look at maybe the business side of it and, and it might uh, contaminate the creative side of it. And, and I think if, if, you know, anything that we can do to help creative people learn about uh, just basic business 101, general communications, uh, balancing the checkbook, um, how to market your stuff, how to price your stuff, how to, you know, where to get supplies, um, you know, you know, what's your income and what's your, what's going out, um, you know, and and understanding those things, and keeping them separate from the studio space, you know, I, the closer I, I found one of the things over the years is that the further I get my office away from the studio, the better, <laughs> you know, because then you're not kind of influencing your creative process by maybe what the business business parts of it. So, you know, I really would would suggest that if you're interested or if any of the listeners are interested in pursuing uh, art as, as a business of their own is to just generally learn about doing, you know, uh, marketing um, on social network, you know, social networks, look at how email lists work, get a website. Um, don't be afraid to ask people, you know, to let people know your stuff is for sale. You know, that's like a big hurdle. <laughs> um, you know, so um, I guess generally just focus on the business um, or not focus on the business, but learn everything you can about it. Um, all the tools are available for all of us to be entrepreneurs now, right. whether you're selling artwork or whether you're selling tennis shoes. Right. You know? um, Have you told your nephew this? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've we've talked about it, and and uh, yeah, he was just over uh, a couple of weeks ago for a, a 
couple of days working in the studio and, and all of that. So, but I'm always amazed when I see um, so many artists, they come out of art school and they know about painting or, right. or graphic design or sculpture or whatever, but they have no idea you know, like how to make it actually uh, a, a way of living. You know? Right. Yeah. You would think they would be smart for these uh, universities to teach like you know, as a part of the art degree, you have to get a minor and, Take one class in accounting, yeah. One class in finance, software management. Um, yeah, it's yeah, like okay. one of the one of the things that I started doing when I was younger was every sale that I would make, I'd turn around and put fifty percent of it right back into the art business. You know, so if, when I sold a painting, I would put that money aside, and and then I, that's what I used to purchase a nice photo printer. Right. So I could start running my own prints or those types of things. You know, it's real, it's nice when you start selling your work, you know, to like, right. oh, I now got this, you know, uh, I can go buy this or whatever, right. do this, pay this bill, or, you know, I can, you know, I can pay my electric bill or whatever, you know. Yeah. But I think if you write from the beginning, you turn around and you reinvest back into your business, um, mm-hmm. that just goes a long way to, to making yourself more self sufficient. Absolutely. Um, dang, what was I going to say? It was right on. Oh, wow. Now I'm blanking out. Oh, wow. And I completely blanked out. I'll have to edit that one out. Okay. You'll have to refresh me real quick. So I need to add in what I was going to say. Sorry. Can you repeat that last sentence? Um, boy, no, I'm going to blank out. Uh, I hope you're editing this whole uh, thing. Yet, yeah, so. yeah, we will. Um, gosh, what, like which, what part specifically were you, uh, I was going to feed on. Oh, well, I don't remember now. Finance, just learning how to manage money. Accounting. Oh, oh yes, yes, yes. Okay, okay. Great. Investing back in your business. Okay. Different type of stuff. Three, two, one. So <laughs> I have uh, one thing that I, I, I listen to a lot of uh, comedian podcasts, and they, they mentioned that, you know, the little bit of advice they give for comedians starting off in terms of finances, save half of your income, like live off of half of your income. I think that's a pretty smart yeah. Well, as a creative to just whenever you bring in the money, just immediately half of it goes to savings because, uh, you know, who knows, eventually you might not have that money down the road. But if you spend it all right now, you don't have any runway. Um, and then that's definitely I can imagine whenever some artists out there start selling two thousand, three thousand dollar paintings and they have like a ten thousand dollar month, you know, it could yeah. set them up for some stress down the road if they don't properly invest that money back into the business. But well, I it's really like basic finance, kind of like basic finance, you know, right, exactly. That's another thing, if you're going to go into into business for yourself as an artist is to get a good understanding of just basic business one yeah. on And, you know, don't spend don't spend more than you have. Yeah. I mean, truly, though, like if you're going to be if you're out there and you're saying I'm, I'm, I am an artist and I want to grow um, and earn more money. I mean, just coming from a, a triathlete before the sciatica. Uh, and before COVID actually, but um, yeah, you got to put in the work every day. If that's yeah. the way it is for anything and it's enjoyable. You want to put in the work you want to do the, you know, for triathlons example, you want to have good core strength, cardiovascular, you want to rest well, like stretch it, eat, eat healthy. There's a whole array of different talents that you need in order to maximize your effort. And so if you're an artist, like you're not wasting time. If you read a couple of finance blogs, like you're not wasting your time. Everybody has this like, little anxiety that creeps up behind them. I feel that whenever I'm reading, it might not necessarily be 
accomplishing something directly for the task at hand per se, uh, or the next thing I'm trying to accomplish, but it's never bad to read something that's especially informative, right? Absolutely. Get on the YouTube. And, you know, if you're serious about this and that's, it's, it's essential to become good at finances and accounting, uh, especially with your business and you got to put in the work. So get on the YouTube, watch some videos, talk to some other friends out there, learn what they do. Um, yeah. Maybe buy some Dogecoin. Yeah. Yeah. That too. Um, yeah. There's so many people, there's so many artists on YouTube that are really into that educational space about helping other artists, you know, wow. success. Yeah. And um, you know, and I'm super thankful to, to them. And um, so, yeah, if, if you're an artist and you haven't discovered that there's just a huge resource of, you can find anything you need to know about running an art business yourself uh, on YouTube for sure. Yeah. Well, if the listeners wanted to uh, find you or learn more about you, where could they? Uh, easiest way is Google chemo, K-E-E-M-O. And uh, that's the easiest way. Um, otherwise, my website is chemogallery.com. Uh, I'm on Instagram at chemo underscore art and on social networking or on any, any, uh, anyway, and I'm happy to chat with you. So awesome. And he's very responsive, as you can tell. <laughs> I try to be. I try to be. Well, Kimo, I really appreciate your time.